Hi, I'm Eric Ostro, host of Live with the Lord Town. For season three, we are focusing on the intersection of arts and advocacy. So many off-Broadway artists give back to their communities. This season, we are giving them the opportunity to speak about how and why they chose the causes they devote themselves to and how those causes help them make them the people and artists they are today. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Eric Ostra. Welcome to Live at the Lortel. I want to get right to the show today because we have so much to talk about, but I want to bring on my dearest friend and my co-host, Joy D. Michelle. Hi, Joy. I can't hear you, my darling. Maybe I'm mute. Can you hear me now? There you go. Okay. Hello. Now I can How hear your are beautiful you? voice and see your gorgeous face. Thank you. It always turns on the light inside of me. <laughs> Okay. Thank you so much. Jaime Lozano is an accomplished musician, vocal coach, composer, arranger, orchestrator, musical producer, and musical theater director. Considered by Lynn Manuel Miranda as the next big thing on Broadway. Jaime is one of the artists selected for the 2020 through 2022 Joe's Pub Working group residency, as well as the Civilians R&D group 2020 through 2021. He is also a Jack resident artist in 2021 and a teacher and activist for the New York City-based non-for-profit organization Revolucion Latina. Please welcome Jaime Lozano. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Nice to see you. Thank you for it's having so me. I'm very excited you. and very honored to be here. Oh, it's I, I love your apartment, by the way. It looks oh. beautiful, Eric. I mean, both, so both apartments with a lot of like green <laughs> flowers it's, and everything. Love it. Yeah, thank you. I put thank up a little you. set for you just so, you know, I wanted you to think <laughs> well of me. I put the little orchid behind me. I put the wallpaper up today. It's all a set. No, <laughs> I am. I am sorry that I'm just in a empty music studio midtown. <laughs> That's not very. Well, but I think we have like a exposed brick wall. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, that means you're brick. somewhere making magic. Exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. So, how are you? How is your family in Mexico? How is everybody doing? I'm doing good, you know. This is a phrase I learned here in the state, juggling a lot. I think that's one of, of the lines that I said the most lately, like juggling a lot, like just trying to to find a way to be able to do everything, a little bit of everything, you know, working a lot, uh, also being a father, being a teacher, being a husband, being a just being a human being, you know. Only that is very busy. <laughs> yeah, especially cool. at this time. This time, yeah, exactly. this time in the world, it's it's very difficult to do all those things. How old is your child? My child is five years old, and he was born here in New York City. I mean, my, my wife and I, we are immigrants for, uh, born and raised in Mexico. My child was born here five years ago, so he's speaking right now like Spanglish. You know, in every sentence, he's, he said like two, three words in English, two words in Spanish, and he's already like correcting. We speak like English, not in the right way. He, oh, Dada, you're not supposed to say that in that way. You're supposed to say in this way. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. He's got a voice on him, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're very smart and, and mm -hmm. just... Because I think that living these times is also a privilege. Even these are hard times. There's a reason why we're living these hard times. And the only thing that we can do is learn, adapt, and move forward. 
and these kids, the, the ones that have been like like growing up during these times, I think they're going to have, have something special, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're going to be survivors. Or do, we you, are. do you see a little artist in him? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's playing, uh, he's doing ballet lessons. He's playing, he's doing piano lessons also. And uh, the thing that I love that is he just go to the piano and practice by himself that we don't have to tell him like, oh, now it's practice time. He's just, he just doing this because he likes it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something good. He's finding the discipline just by himself without us trying to impose something. That's very, very exciting. So let's start off with something that is coming up in a few days. On April 15th, you are going to be at Lincoln Center doing your show. And I would love to hear a little bit about the background of the show. I know maybe you you took songs from some places and the show is called Songs by an Immigrant. Yeah, that's that's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> Songs by you. <laughs> April 15th at Lincoln Center. It's sold out right now, but if you want to get a ticket, there are ways somebody cancels, etc. But as of right now, it is sold out. Yeah, it was very, oh, thank you. I was very impressed. Actually, it was sold out in a 24 hours. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. Like three months ago, it was a sold out when they announced it. And I just feel very lucky, blessed, and happy that I'm being able to tell these stories on such an iconic venue, place, organization, you know. Uh, as Cita Lortel also, that, that I, I just had a concert last December there. Yeah. Uh, and just having the honor to be invited and to have this organization supporting our voices and amplifying our stories, I think it's really, really important because uh, for a long, long time, we have felt like, like, you know, like a little bit in the side. It's hard being an immigrant. It's hard being a, a person with uh, struggling with English, like looking a little bit different than the rest. Even I kind of, I'm like white passing in some way. Uh, I just say a word and they notice my accent and oh, so they are, uh, something is weird here, you know. So just having the chance now that all these amazing organizations are opening their doors, are opening their arms and hearts to people like myself and be able to tell these stories, it's a huge, huge privilege and also a great responsibility because even I don't speak for all the people like all immigrants or all Latinx, I just speak for myself. I'm trying to be able to help to open some doors or some windows or some something, you know, so, so more people can be able to tell their stories and uh, because these stories deserve to be told and deserve to be heard. What are some of the themes and topics that you address in the show? I strongly believe the most important thing in anything that you do but mostly when you're telling stories is being honest. So what I'm trying to do is speak from that honesty. I tell stories, I sing about being away from home, trying to find a home far from home, mm. struggling with the language, struggling with English and Spanglish, raising a child uh, far away from, from your family. We don't have any family here, you know, it's just my wife and me. Finding uh, the chosen family, because back in Mexico, I have my family, my blood family. One thing that is true is you stop with that family because you don't you don't choose them. I mean, those are your family and that's it. You don't have an option. But just being in another place and uh, I'm finding all these people that is so different as you, but also so similar. 
that chosen family is one of the main also subjects that we think about, also about immigration. About there are a lot of different journeys, you know, because when we when we talk about immigration, the first thing that came to our mind is the border and the wall and crossing the river. And yeah, we 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 sing and we speak and we tell those stories, but there's many other stories like myself that I mean. Thanks God, I, I didn't have to live that, you know, like that struggle that I have to cross in that way. But I have another struggle and another journey. And I think everyone's journey is as important as the other one, you know, and we, we should speak and just tell our stories. When you were a boy, did you dream this for yourself? Did you imagine being in New York City, living this life? When did this this dream come to fruition for you? When did you start having this kernel of, this is what I want to do? And not at all. When I was a kid, I come from a very modest family, a very poor family. I always have everything. That, I mean, they always take care of me. It's not like I was struggling. Like I didn't realize that they were like really poor because they always were providing for me. You don't realize that till later, you know. I knew that something was different because I used to go to a school with kids that they were, I have a scholarship for a private school and people there, they have money. So they used to bully me a lot because I didn't have money and I, I, I couldn't understand what, what was going on. And telling all this because my family, no one in my family do anything related with arts or music or I didn't grow up with that. Even as all kids, I mean, of course I like music and I like to watch movies and all that. But for example, I remember when I was like around, let's say 10 years old, maybe, I used to watch the Jesus Christ Superstar movie, the 70s movie on TV, mm-hmm. and I just hated it. I couldn't, I couldn't understand as a kid what was going on. Like, why, why are they singing? And why they are in the middle of the desert? And uh, is he Jesus Christ, or is he singing? I mean, what, what's going on? And the funny thing is, like, when I was 18, I was supposed to study criminology first. Hmm. I actually apply, and when what I supposed to enro- when I was supposed to enroll for criminology school, I decided to take like a sabbatical year. And one year later, I enrolled in music school for singing. And NYU, and, right? No, that, that was back in Mexico. NYU f- was for my oh, master. Okay. Yeah, that was back in Mexico, like in 1999, 98. And the first year, my first semester, they were having auditions for a musical. And I auditioned for the show, and I got cast as part of the ensemble. Now you know what musical was that. I mean, it was Jesus Christ Superstar. So the show that I used to hate when I was a kid, <laughs> I got casted like 15 years later. And thanks to that show, I do what I do now. I mean, that, that was my first, I was 18 years old. And that was really my first approach to musical theater and, uh, you know, to storytelling. Mm-hmm. And since then, uh, I could say that song, I mean, musical theater shows me in some way because it everything happened just like very easy, like from wanted to study criminology, one year later I was studying music and I was got casted in this show without having any music background, you know, it was like just weird. But I think that that's something that really represents me. I believe that we are what we do. Mm. So I strongly believe in making choices, just like going for it, you know, even when most of the time those choices are wrong, (laughs) but just being free and able 
to make a choice that's completely right, you know? And, and uh, just like that, I just choose, okay, I'm going to study music. Okay, and I'm going to go to this audition. Okay, and I'm going to just choose and choose one, one choice after the other one, and then lead me to, to this room where I am right now talking with you. Oh, I love that. So the yeah. choice might be wrong, but the ability to have a choice is what's right. I'm not that wise. Actually, uh, there's a line in Sunday in the Park with George, a, a Sondheim's line that says yes. something like what you just said. So That's what yeah. I got from what you just said. So. Oh, I, I guess I'm a little bit wise. Okay, I know, <laughs> I, know, I, know exactly, I know exactly what you're talking about. So from from hating Jesus Christ Superstar as a kid, and then getting the opportunity to to be in it and understanding the meaning of it and having it get it under your skin. Obviously, this is something that you were passionate about. Not necessarily Jesus Christ Superstar, but music and writing and and doing and then and then NYU you got a scholarship to the graduate musical theater writing program right after you graduated college yes and that was also another weird decision because at that time I didn't have the money to go to a school like that I mean as you can notice now that my English is kind of weird <laughs> I didn't speak any English at that time I, like none wow and I don't know why they accept me and, and get me and award me like, like a full tuition scholarship to come to this program with no English and, you know. Back in Mexico, I was directing and writing my, my own musicals. And I was looking for, like, for a master program related with musical theater. And the closest thing was this program, uh, like this musical theater writing program. And I came in um, 2006, and my first travel to New York City was 2016, one year before getting accepted into the program. And I remember getting into the building. It, at that time, it was in Second Avenue around uh, St. Mark's Place. And I just go and knock on the door with my broken English. I was trying to let them know that I was very interested in getting into the program because I, I love like uh, telling stories through music and lyrics and all that. And I remember that they told me that the most important thing in a musical theater and in this kind of uh, art was communication, is communication, not language, no, communication. I think it doesn't matter the language. But then I realized that I, I'm very fluent in the language of music. Even I might not be fluent in other languages and I'm still learning English, I'm very fluent speaking music and talking music. And that's what helped me to get into the program and be able to communicate with my partners, most of them uh, like Americans, you know, people from the States. Then I realized myself by doing some of the assignments in Spanish. I used to write lyrics in Spanish and my collaborators in English and we put that together. Uh, and everything just, you know, it was like meant to be, like magic. That's fantastic. You first premiered songs by an immigrant in 2019. I'm really curious why you chose that word and this show, since right now it can be very politically loaded. I have a friend that he said that we are all immigrants at the moment that we leave our mother's womb. You know, we are nine months or seven months or whatever is the time when we are there in this very safe world or country or place. And then we break a border 
Yeah, and we are in this new world where we don't know how to speak this language. When we don't, we know no one but our mother and maybe our father, but because we used to feel them when we were in there. But we are immigrants at that very moment. You know, I think um, immigrant is a beautiful word because just being able to risk your life and start over in a new place. I mean, it, it's, it's like a synonym of warrior, of, you know, like, like just trying to get a better life, you know, trying to pursue your, pursuing your dreams, building a better life for, for the ones who are coming after you, your sons, your daughter, your family. I would like to say that immigrant should be like, like a synonym of a warrior. You know, I, I think that that is something that we warrior in a good way, not, not in the way of fighting for a better life, you know, fighting for who we are. That's beautiful. That is really beautiful. What do you hope that people take away from your work after experiencing it? As I mentioned before, because I, I'm trying to be honest with what, with what I am writing and singing and telling, but of course, I don't write songs to be in this room just playing the song for myself. Of course, you want people to listen to that work. And I'm very lucky, blessed, I don't know how you want to say it, that sometimes at the end of the concerts, people approach me and they say, you know, that, that song, that, that was my dad's story. Or, you know, that song, I feel very related with it. Now that some people from, from different, from NYU or different college, they email me, oh, I'm singing your song and I can't believe that I couldn't find anything else before that I could relate with. So that, that's what I want. I mean, you know, just, I, and I'm not saying this is our thousand of, the, of people. Maybe it's just like, like um, not, not even hundreds of people, you know, who have reached me to say this. But just knowing that one person has been affected in a good way for something that I wrote, that's what I hope to happen because we are doing art. I mean, art saved me. So I hope that my art could save or change the life of others for the better. Mm. In what way do you do you feel like art has saved you? Because as, as I as I mentioned before, I was when I was a kid, I was really bullied all my elementary school, middle school, and high school. I mean, it was like like at the point that I, I didn't like to go to school. I used to skip school. I was supposed to take the school bus back home, and I preferred to walk. I I, I never took the bus, and I just walked back home and it was like a two hours walking it, it wasn't like close it was like like a long long walk and i used to cross like like dry river that i have to go all the way down in the river and then go up again to, to cross to the other side of the avenue and i was i was very shy i i didn't have like a lot of friends i didn't like to speak up at the time i would say that i mean i was being a, like verbally abused by other kids and other people you know and today i can't believe that that i'm gonna for example i'm gonna be this friday at lincoln center with all these broadway performers singing about this with amazing musicians i mean i'm completely in the other side of the world now uh, and uh, that kid i think that he couldn't he he didn't right now he couldn't believe that he could be here doing what i'm doing you know Mm. It, it would be hard for me to believe at that time this future 
So there was no daydreaming of, of that's what you were going to do back then. It was just a, all, no. a whole mishmash of what you were going to do. And Yeah, my, my daydreaming was, I, this is weird because usually when, when kids skip school, they skip school to go to the park and play soccer or go to the um, to the billiards, you know, to I mean to to those kind of things. I used to skip school and go to the park and sit on a bench and read books. Mm. That's what I, I, I used to do when I was in high school, for example. And my family they couldn't believe I mean they couldn't understand. I mean, why are you skipping school? And the reason was to read books. I mean, not because I wanted to, to have fun. No, no, just to, I mean, I, I read all like all the Greeks tragedies and come and uh, you know all the Shakespeare, all that. I, I read it back then in Spanish, of course, during my high school. And I think that I mean that saved me from maybe thinking about doing other things. You know, I was too busy just reading these stories. And now that I'm telling this, I mean, I, I have told this story a lot of times. But I have never connected that what I was reading was actually like storytelling, you know, like, and so I was connected in some way to musical theater since then. Even I didn't do it like formally. I didn't found it till later, till I was 18 years old. In some way, those books and those stories led me to finding musical theater. Mm-hmm. Has your family had an opportunity to see any of your work here? Unfortunately, my mom passed away when uh, when I came to NYU. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. She had a, a, a brain hemorrhage um, uh, like a couple of months after I arrived here. And at that time, I used to blame myself because she was, she was very worried because I was here with oh, no money, so blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was really hard. But then, I, I mean, I found amazing people here that they helped me to, you know, to go through all that. And uh, my family was always very supportive. My, my, my mom's sisters. My dad had never come to the United States. He doesn't have a visa. Back then, my mom's sisters, they came for my NYU graduation when I have like my thesis presentation and they were able to see that. And uh, I like to go, I go like every year at least once, once to Mexico. And I write musicals to be premiered there because I love this being connected with my back with my hometown and with my university actually back there. So they have they have seen my work there, not here. And to be honest, I don't think that they completely understand. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard because they know that mm-hmm. I write songs and I write shows, and they, but they don't really know what is the process and all, everything that is you know behind that. And that's the beauty of all this, that even they don't understand completely, they were very supportive from the first day. They never questioned, wait, why are you studying music now when we were supposed to study criminology one year ago? <laughs> or wait, why now do you want to go to New York City? I mean, they never questioned any single thing. I mean, they always were, were very supportive, even without understanding really <laughs> what is the business and the industry. And then, uh, that's what I'm trying to do also with my with my song, for example, now, just, just trying to be supportive as, as I can, you know. And speaking of which, I'm glad you brought it up. Can you walk me through a little bit about the creation of work from concept to concert to the show? In general, or about these songs by an immigrant? Whatever you want to talk about, whatever is, is right here. I definitely think that the first... 
The first thing is you need to find something that you really feel connected and related with. They ask me this question a lot. Oh, so you are a Latinx uh, immigrant uh, writer, so you only can write uh, Latinx immigrant stories? And no, I mean, I can write fiction and I can write other kind of stories, but I know that I need to be really respectful with other stories. If I really want my stories to get to other people, I think that they need to come from that, from that honesty. And the only way to find honesty is going inside myself and feeling what really moves me, you know? I could do this for money and just write songs like crazy and... and uh, but if, I, if I'm not feeling connected with that, I mean, I don't think that anything is going to happen with those songs. And not only, I mean, I could be maybe rich now, but, but, it's, but maybe nothing is going to happen with me. Mm. You, know, you know, even the songs maybe can go places. Maybe I'm not going anywhere. But there's no evolution of you. There's no. Yeah, exactly. You're not and, and, going to the next step. You're just doing it for the money or the the riches or the fame. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, uh, of course, we all have to have a, a, a I mean, a stable life. You know, I, I, maybe I don't want to be like millionaire, but but I, I want to be able to have a, a good life. But I think that that eventually is gonna come. I mean, I'm having a good life, of course, and I enjoy every single day. I like to say that you have to enjoy even uh, when you're sad and when you cry. You have to enjoy every single moment. And no matter what, and you have to enjoy the process. So once once you found that thing that you really connect, it's like just making one choice after the other one, and just being able to enjoy the process of writing. My process is has been really really challenging because the last two years, I have to sit in the computer or in the piano, and I'm writing a song, and one minute after, I have my son on top of me, you know, because he was there. I mean, he, he wasn't going to school. He was there the whole time. So I say to my wife, in 10 years, when I look back to see, oh, why this song is so weird and so, this doesn't make sense. Oh, I know why, because at that moment I was writing that song, I wasn't able to finish the song because my song was all over me and then I have to finish the song like the next day or three hours after. So, but, I'm not complaining about this. I have to learn to enjoy the process of writing with my song in the room and with my song with the TV turn all the volume up, you know, and just I'm listening to all these uh, cartoons and I'm trying to write. And it doesn't affect me in a bad way. I mean, I, that's my life and I'm there and, and I have to be able to adapt and to enjoy the process. And I'm sure that if I'm honest, I relate with what I'm writing and I enjoy the process, the final result, the product, is gonna be something that I'm gonna feel proud, you know? It's not like I'm trying to, what is my goal or what is the final, you know? It's just going one choice after the other one, one step after the other one, enjoying every single step and you're gonna get to the place that you're supposed to be. Well, speaking of pride, you know, this season is all about where, you know, the artists and advocacy meet. And I would love to talk about Revolución Latina and your involvement in it and where the idea came from. And I would love for you to, to just talk about it. You know, I know it's about making a difference in the arts, but I want to get your point of view about why this started and 
what you put out there for this. Revolución Latina that actually is written R period evolution mm -hmm. Latina. Yes. It's like a, a revolution of evolution. You know, ah. I, I, you know, I found this organization <laughs> back when I was at school back in 2007, 2008. It is founded by Luis Salgado, who was part of the cast of In the Heights on Broadway and was actually the Latin choreographer for that show. And at that time, they founded this organization with other broad, Latin Broadway performers, and they got support from Lin-Manuel Miranda and all the people involved in these shows. And they have mm, different ways to work. And one of, them, of the things that they do is bringing education, like art education, to kids like in the Bronx and different uh, communities that, that they maybe they don't have the opportunity to have this kind of education. And they do like after school programs. I remember back at the time, I used to go at a, to a high school in uh, Brooklyn that it was a refugee high school. So I was, I had a choir. Uh, I used to teach music, music and mus um, um, songs from musicals. And we used to sing with people that they were refugees. I mean, that they came here escaping, you know, from their country, from, from their situation back there. And like that, I mean, they go to different schools, they take kids to Broadway, they do summer camps with kids. They actually also do like uh, adults programs uh, with two performers. So they can uh, have like dancing classes and singing lessons and all that without having we don't be worried about money you, you know just like free classes and all that and uh, they have been supporting i mean when uh, the earthquake in mexico city happened a few years ago it was really terrible they went down there and they support they went uh, to puerto rico to help also when there was that the hurricane Hurricane, yeah, Hurricane in Puerto Rico, yeah. So it's an organization that even uh, the focus is art and trying to make that change and that evolution through art. They are really involved in, in communities, you know, and in, in, uh, in trying to make that change. I feel very, like, close to it because when I was that age, it was a time that I felt like, I didn't know what to do, you know, that I, that I used to be bullied bully and all that. So just, like, having the pleasure to see these kids when they're having these summer camps and and uh, sometimes I have been teaching or they bring like Broadway performers to teach them and just seeing their the look in their eyes you know like that light and having fun and I wish in some way that I could have that when I was a kid but there's a reason why I didn't have it and that made me what I am today mm. hope that other kids they couldn't pass through many of the things that we had to, you know? So we are here to make a life better, not for all, but for the people behind us, for those younger generations. So they don't have to go through, I wouldn't say through the diff to, to difficulties. No, they have to go through difficulties, but they don't have to, they shouldn't have to go through things like like bullying and like abuse and like I mean things that they it shouldn't exist you know of course life is hard and there are gonna be a lot of challenges and difficulties difficulties and they they're gonna have to learn how to raise above that but we can make their life a little bit less heavy if we take away all that thing that doesn't help them you know. Mm -hmm. 
I love That's that. That's wonderful. Yeah, and it's not just, you know, actors and songwriting. It's it's a bunch of everything. I mean, costumes and scenery and I mean it's it's an organization that will, you know, reaches out to to all different kinds of people and you can go in and and learn anything. How do people take part in it? How do we volunteer our time for the organization? There's a website, revolucionlatina.org. Yeah, we have it up on the uh, mm-hmm. Everyone can be a volunteer, like even like doing like a work study in the office or just helping with the classes, being an assistant to the teachers. At that time, I mean, we used to do like, I mean, today, Broadway is just trying to come back, so it's hard right now. But uh, we used to do like like uh, trips to see Broadway shows and volunteers coming to help with, with you know with the kids. I mean, the, as you say, there are many many ways. We we recorded an album uh, back. Oh, it was like many many years ago, like more than ten years ago. Uh, with Corbin Blue, Andrea Barnes, Janet Cow, and through that album, they have been raising funds to do the, to do more programs. They have done like shows, actually like performances of shows in different places. And I have been collaborating with them in many capacities, like producing and uh, arranging the music for the album that they did teaching in the summer camp, going to teach to schools, going after Broadway show with, with a red bucket because Revolución Latina is part of uh, Broadway Cares. So just being on the door with a red bucket, just asking for support for the organization. So I, I have been helping in many, many capacities. It's part of my chosen family also, you know, the, the, so I'm very, I'm very glad that I found them and that I can help in some way, you know. Mm-hmm. I have two questions. One, is there a tab on the website for somebody to make financial donations? That's the first question. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. You, you go to the website. They have different programs. I think they have like like an like a tab that is there the whole time, but also they have like a season program that they have like a dance a ton and they have a, a, a like a goal to reach money dur- during that specific mm-hmm. program. But yeah, you you can go visit the page and everything is there. Fantastic. And then the other question that I have is, if you happen to know, and and if it's on top of mind, what would you say would be the one of the top three needs that the organization currently has in the event that somebody's listening that you're like, ah, we really need this right now? I would say that one of the things is, I mean, vote, people is going to always be of need, you know, like, like having volunteers, having people with different skills that can help to spread the mission. I mean, definitely. Also, I mean, they, they, they have a location on, um, on the equity building, actually, here on... Um, I'm actually like three doors away from there right now because they are part of Broadway Cares. And we go to schools and do all this program uh, or we rent a studio. I mean, just rent, like renting per studio. You, you know how expensive is that? Mm-hmm. Just renting per studios for two or three weeks during the summer. I mean, that's crazy expensive. So unfortunately, uh, every, everything translates to money sometimes. <laughs> but that was helped to rent a studio like that or that was helped to send t-shirts to the different high schools, different locations. That was helped to buy tickets to bring kids to schools. So uh, definitely donations are always... It's like when you want to give a gift to someone and you don't know what to give them and you, you're not going to buy a jeans or, or a, you know, or 
and you just buy a card, you know, because, okay, this is a card, so you can spend this on, I think uh, they have very specific needs about locations, about programs, about t-shirts, that every single donation and it doesn't matter that the amount is, is going to help to be able to spread that mission. Fantastic. So for people listening, it's R-E-V-O-L-U-C-I-O-N-L-A-T-I-N-A dot org. Thank you, Joy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would love to talk a little bit about your wife. You and your wife work together very often. Am she's I my favorite collaborator. Yeah, she's oh, my favorite. Yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she Especially is. if you're saying it online, right. So you've created art together throughout your marriage, but this project in particular, is there anything different this time for what's happening at Lincoln Center? Has it evolved and changed with the two of you working together on it? You, you know, it's like this, our life is, we don't know the line between husband, wife, <laughs> collaborator, writer, yeah. singer. It's like, we all the time like, like crossing those lines, you know, that that's our life. And we are like creating and being creative. And uh, I don't know how healthy is that, to be honest, but that's our life. You know, it's like, like we are having dinner or we are like, supposed to be talking about something else and then we got an idea about a song or about a show or about a project and we were just like that like just going back and forth and playing all these different hats at the same time in, in the same way that for example at home you know like we do exactly the same we have the same roles i mean that's one thing that i love our about our son that for him it, it's not like oh your dad it's for this and this and this, and your mom is for this and this. No, he asks us exactly the same. He, it's not a difference because his mom and I'm his, it's exactly the same. We can mm-hmm. do exactly the same, like mm-hmm. like taking him to bed or to the park or making a, a lunch or dinner. We are exactly the same. And also mm-hmm. when we are collaborating, it's like we are trying to play in that way, you, you know, the, the, uh, in the same level of communication and uh, creativity. And even our son now, sometimes he's like giving us ideas also. And, and he, I, I'm gonna tell you a, a thing, to be honest, I'm a little, a little bit nervous about the upcoming concert. And this morning I was, signing some CDs because I'm, I'm going like, to like give them in, in, the, in the concert. I was just on the table by myself. And then my son, five years old, come to the chair and sit and, wa- and watch me. And he say, they're going to love you. I just said, what, what, what do you mean? Por, por qué dices eso? Why did you say that? Because you are very cool. I have watched you before. And you rock. Oh. And that's what he, what he told me this morning. I have watched you before and you're cool and you rock because he's always with us in every single concert and every single rehearsal and every single play. So that is part of the dynamic of being an artist uh, as a family, as, uh, you know, uh, as immigrants uh, struggling in this city with him being with all the whole time. All that is part of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My son is going to be there. I emailed Lincoln Center, you know, my son is going to be there from the sound check. So he's vaccinated. 
if you need him to test, he can test. He doesn't like it, but he knows that he can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's going to be there. I'm not asking you your permission so he can be there. No, I'm telling you, he is going to be there. So tell me if he needs to test, if he, what does he need to do to be there? And they're, they, of course, they're very nice. And they say, oh, no, of course, yeah, he can. And he's going to be there, the whole process, sound check, the concert. Some, sometimes people just like, like, film it and he's like clapping during the concerts and screaming and singing the songs. I mean, that's who we are. And I'm just, sometimes I was having this conversation with Andrea Barnes because we have a rehearsal yesterday at, and uh, she had a son that now is 18 years old. Yeah, he's a director. Yeah, a filmmaker. He, yeah. He's uh, doing a film now. He's, he's going into a film in school. And I was having this conversation that sometimes I feel worried that I'm not doing the right thing with my son. I mean, that he with all the whole time, he has no routine. It's not like when he, has a he was a baby now. You have to eat at this time and then breastfeeding this time and then you go to bed to this time. No, my son is with us and sometimes he goes to bed usually like 8.30, but sometimes after midnight because we are in a concert and then we go out for dinner and he's there with us. And then he has to skip school for two weeks because we're going to Mexico. And the principal and the teacher are very nice and very supportive with us. But sometimes we realize, oh, maybe he's not reading as fast as he sh should, or is he, or maybe he's not writing. And, he sh I, uh, and we don't know what to do. And we feel like we don't know if we're doing right. And, and Andrea told me that the best thing that you can do for him is love him. I mean, that he, that he feel loved and knowing that he's with you everywhere. And he's part of you, of your team. That's another thing that you, we tell to him. You're part of the team. This team doesn't work if you don't do what we're supposed to do, okay? So you have to behave. You have to sing. You have to do this when you're supposed to do this. I mean, but if you don't do it, this is not going to work. And he's so smart, and he always, like, do exactly what he, what he, he needs to do, you know? Of course, as, as a kid, he's a kid. But he's understanding all this, and I don't know what did you ask me before, and I don't know why I'm saying all this. <laughs> it's okay. It's that, that's right. It's, it's good. You're on the right path. Yeah. But what's incredible well, is, is that you've, um, you're raising this child within an artistic community, so you have a built-in babysitters you have built in people that will watch him you have yeah. i mean he is learning theater craft performance singing music backstage props i mean he's learning everything from the ground up and to me an ensemble especially at the public or joe's pub or wherever you've been working especially in mexico i mean it's it's um an artistic community is the family that we choose, which is what you said before. They're not blood, but they might as well be because they are your chosen family. Mm -hmm. And you're lucky enough to have a child who is surrounded by this artistry. Yeah, and welcome to the family. <laughs> and all the Lortel team. Yeah, and, and that's why this, this project is called Jaime Lozano and the Familia. I mean, the Familia is all, all people like you, like me, like my Broadway colleagues. Or, like we are sharing a journey. We're sharing struggles and we're sharing joy and we, we're just sharing a life, a path. And we are here for each other. And that's what I love about musical theater and about New York City and the Broadway of Broadway community. I mean, that it's it's really a community. 
I know we have been struggling with with all the diversity, racist issues that they are real. Of course, they are real, mostly on the high levels. They are real, but we're not against each other. I mean, we need to work as a community, as a family with each other so we can make a change. And I think it's the only way to make it happen. And yet we are a community. I strongly believe that we are a community and it's the only way that we're going to be stronger and we're going to be able to put our stories out there, like Latinx stories, African-American stories, Black stories, Asian stories, all. We are a community together. Even I respect all the individualities because even as a person, as a human being, I'm different to people like that they were born the same day, the same city. And I say, and you know, I mean, we're all different, but knowing those difference, we need to learn that we're not against each other, and what we need to find a way to get together, especially, especially like doing art and in this community also, because we're gonna be stronger supporting to each other. Yes, yes. I made you feel a change in the community and in in the theater. Do you feel any sort of shift? towards the betterness of it? I, I would like to think that there, that something is happening. Maybe it's not as fast as we would like. I mean, I, I, we also know that this is an industry and this is a business. It has been run in a very specific way for many, 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 for a long, long time. And I understand that sometimes it's hard to make a change from one day to another one. But having people like you, like the Lortel, like like uh, Lincoln Center, like, like that they are interested in listening to these voices and uh, helping in the way that we can. Sometimes it's just a podcast, but that is just enough. Other times is is money for a production. Other times is helping someone to find a rehearsal space. I mean, there are many ways to help others' stories. Unfortunately, the change is not happening as fast as we would like and as big as we would like because it's hard, but I think we have to do it. I mean, in the only way, as I mentioned before, I mean, we are what we do. We can talk and talk and say, and, and uh, I'm going to put a very bad example. This is a very, very bad example. But many times, I mean, we can think many, many things. Uh, sometimes I, I have my son, sometimes he doesn't behave. And of course, I got frustrated. And the first thing that comes to my head is maybe it's like to show to him. And yeah, I have, that is something that I have thought. I mean, because I'm human, it's there. But what makes me different is what, what I do. And before taking a decision that is not what I'm supposed to do, I take an action and I say, okay, you know, let's calm down. You're not supposed to do that and that because of this. And, and then just explain to him, I mean, the action is what is going to define me. So as communities, as an individuals, as, as a writers, actors, producers, uh, speakers, whatever, we, what we have to do is to do things. That, that's our only mission, do something. And mm -hmm. we do what we're supposed to do and we collaborate and we do it as a community. I think that change is gonna be easier and faster, hopefully. When do you feel, um, or when do you think your, the switch was turned on for you to have more of an impulse for activism? Did you come to the arts with that, or did that develop after your career started to develop? 
When I started like doing musical theater in Mexico, one thing that I knew back then is I didn't want to tell the same stories that were used that musical theater used to tell, mm -hmm. or like Phantom, like Let Me, like just like those classic stories. That is what what I knew at the time. So I knew that my art and my writing was meant to do something else. I think that was my first activist in some way. Actually, my first musical was about genocide in Mexico City in the 60s, that the government sent uh, uh, the army to kill students in a plaza in, a, in 1968. So it's not a subject that we usually see in a musical. And that was my first musical. I was 20 years old. And mm -hmm. I write a show about that based on testimonies. That was activism. I was giving voice to people that wasn't with us anymore and I was telling a story because I didn't want that story to be repeated again. So in some way that was in some way I, I knew that I wanted to do something through my stories, through my art. But in Monterrey, back in my hometown, I didn't know about, for example, about diversity, about people different than me. I mean we all look kind of the same or we and we speak the same language. So the moment that I arrived to New York City and I was in a subway train, in a subway car, listening 10 different languages at the same time, you know, and looking all these beautiful colors that I didn't know that they, I mean, I knew it because of movies and maybe the news, but I never expected to be in the same place, in a common space with all these different people. So also that called me, that called me and I found that, that I needed to do something about that, about finding the way to express that we are all the same, even in this, in, in our very particular ways to be. And I think definitely New York City changed, all, I mean, put another, um, like another stage on that. I do have one comment here from your wife, Florencia that Alonzo is saying that, indeed, my dad rocks. Oh. <laughs> I got a little choked up there myself. So, it is so beautiful. It is so magnificent. It's so lovely. Um, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, are you I, raise, I, you're, you're raising a child to correctly, that uh, you are doing all the right things. We're trying. I, I think that there's not a book for, for there's not a book about life, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but fortunately also, because then yeah. why we are able to learn and to live our own journeys. But definitely the book that we have is what other people have been going through. We should learn from that. I learned from, from my mother and my father's also mistakes, maybe. And I'm, I'm trying not to do that with, with the people that is with me. I have one final question, Jaime. What is your hope for Off-Broadway and, and Broadway and, and the arts in, in New York and in Mexico and, and all across the world? What is your hope? What is your hope for, for the future, for the near future? My hope is that all stories have the same importance you know that mm -hmm. right now we are unfortunately we have to label label stories and we have to say this is a latin story and this is a black story and this i hope that that one day people just get into the theater to hear a story 
you know and uh, yeah you gonna have see black is, people right. yeah you're gonna see black people you're gonna be see mexican people you're gonna see asian people you're gonna, but you're gonna we're all the same in some way you know it, it's it's I, i think that our stories need to get to that point that we're not a token then we are diverse and diversity because we're a minority we're not really a minority we are a minority only because the people up there are choosing some kind of work or some kind of stories but really we should be in the same level in the same rooms with the people in the same level of us you know we don't want to be an associate director we don't want to be a consultant consultant writer well, no no we want to be the writer we want to be the director we want you know and be exactly in the same level and that all these broadway houses of broadway houses that people can decide okay i'm gonna see this story and you're gonna see a beautiful story about some kind of people that you are gonna relate with that even you know our Maybe you don't look like them, but you're gonna relate with that. And then you're gonna get into another theater with a very different story. And maybe you don't look like them eh, either, but you're gonna relate with that. And there's gonna be the, that's the beauty of art, that you've been able to have all those theaters, big and small, off, on, off, off, in around the world with stories, with stories about us. That's a great way to come to this end. Unfortunately, you have to get to rehearsal, I know, which is right upstairs. And this has been a very enlightening hour for, I know I speak for both Joy and myself. We learned so much. And you're a powerhouse in our industry. I can't wait to see what you do next. I can't wait. I can be the company. <laughs> Let's see where life takes us. And yeah, I, I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful for your light, for your soul, for your time, for your openness. And um, thank you for sharing this space with me. And thank I you. hope that we can uh, see each other soon. Yes. Out, out there, you know, yeah. and, and be able to, to, to hug you soon. Yes, and that's that's first. what I look forward to doing you when we meet. It's giving you a big hug. I'll get a COVID uh, test first. Um, <laughs> that is our show. Uh, next week, Joy and I will get to sit down with the magnificent Linda Lavin. I am so excited to do this interview. I've been waiting almost three years. Unfortunately, we weren't able to align our calendars for this interview, and so we won't be able to have an audience join us for Miss Lavin's interview. But the video of our interview and the podcast will be released together on Friday, April 22nd, so you will be able to see it and hear it. Then on Monday, April 25th, Joy and I will interview the wonderful Jennifer Samard. Jennifer is a Tony Award, four-time Drama Desk Award winner, three-time Drama League Award, and Lucy Lortel Award nominee with numerous off-Broadway credits. Information about all of our upcoming guests and how you can attend one of our online recordings can be found on our website, liveatthelortel.com. Thank you for joining us. Theater is open. So book your tickets now and go see a show. You won't believe how wonderful it is to sit and be back in a theater. And when those lights go down, we are one. Stay safe, stay healthy, and have a wonderful night. Thank you, Jaime. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Gracias. Gracias. This podcast is brought to you by the Lucille Ortel Theater. Live at the Lortel is produced by George Forbes, executive producer yours truly, and associate producer Jeffrey Schubart. Press is provided by Sin Gogolak. 
GoGo Public Relations. And special thanks to Nancy Herbitz, Alana Candy Samuel, Mara Levinas, Carla Liriano, and Ellen Chan. Live at the Lortel Sound Engineer and Mixer is Brian Falk at Abacus Entertainment. Thank you so much for listening.